Welcome to What Has My Attention, and this is John Beethan. For a long time, I've been interested in the opportunity and benefits that come with cross-generation collaboration. So I was excited to bring Adam Jacobs and Aaron Scherer from the Jacobs Sheriff Group on the podcast. And some of the topics covered today include cross-generation collaboration, business ethics, social responsibility, accountability, startups, fundraising, revenue optimization, corporate transparency, consumer intelligence, stakeholder engagement, solo investors, business strategy, profit generation, nonprofit versus for-profit or for-purpose businesses, product life cycle, business growth, and impact investment. And I now gratefully bring you Adam Jacobs and Aaron Sheriff. And today we're recording from the John Sanders Podcast Studio at the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce, and that happens to be in California, not New Mexico. And I wanted to welcome Adam and Aaron, and I'm very excited about this because what this is about for me is just a cross-generation collaboration. There's an age difference here, and I, I truly believe that younger generations have so much to offer in how they want the world to be. And uh, the great thing about, we'll get into it, but the great thing I love about your, your website, after, after you launched your business and I went to it, it's like I saw right at the top, growth for good, which I really, really love. So why don't you introduce yourselves and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here today. My name is Erin Sheriff and um, I started working with Adam about 10 years ago. Um, we ran a, uh, we still run a fitness and yoga studio here in Carlsbad, and I'm a mother of three kids, soon to be four. My goodness! I know, <laughs> fourth is on the way, and um, I'm just really excited about the work that we're doing and being able to kind of balance that work and home life situation. So. Nice, Adam. I'm Adam Jacobs, and thank you so much for calling us young. I just celebrated my birthday a couple days ago, so I appreciate that. Uh, I'm a lifelong San Diegan, though I did go to college on the East Coast at Cornell, where I learned to really respect and appreciate the weather we have here in San Diego. I've been involved in sports my whole life. I played baseball in college and then professionally afterwards, and I'm very fortunate to have a family that's been involved in business in San Diego for as long as I can remember and grown very successful businesses at that, but also always given back to the community and kept that part uh, in the forefront of our minds. And it's very exciting to, for Aaron and I to have come up with an idea of how we can combine business and community growth um, into one application. And uh, it's really exciting. I, I also have a daughter. She's uh, almost 14 months and it really puts things in perspective when you have a, a child to oh, uh yeah. you want to you want the world to be a better place for them and in all aspects whether it's uh you know socially in business whatever you want them to be able to thrive and then of course grandchildren down the road oh <laughs> <laughs> yes. so let's not talk about that yet Far down the road. we're not ready for that <laughs> we are just not ready for that all right, great. So on the website, we create value with companies and organizations whose product or services 
positively impacts society. And I want to mention right at the top, I asked Adam to come up with a topic for this particular episode, and um, it is titled Changing the World Through Business. So as I said, Adam, you know, I don't know if Aaron, you caught this too, but I'm happy for you to really just have a dialogue with each other. Aaron, you said right at the top, you work together in running a business, Fortis Fitness. And I'm sure that kind of spoke to how well you work together because it is a great business and it's very successful. Thank you. And uh, so what was the spark that actually got you, that was like started this whole new business? I mean, was it on a napkin? (laughs) (laughs) You kick it. Sure. So when we started Fortis and Yoga Lux, over 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago now, though, Aaron and I have been working together since before that. Um, we had always said that Fortis was just the beginning of whatever we were going to do together, whether it be a partnership, uh, additional uh, facilities, or something outside of fitness and, and yoga altogether. And right before the pandemic, we had started to loosely look at are we going to expand? Is Fortis going to grow? Are there other areas or demographics that fit what we're trying to do? And then the pandemic hit. And then we were like, this is not the time to even think about expanding a fitness or yoga studio. Um, But we've always both had the priority to give back to the community. And even using the platform we had at Fortis and Yoga Lux, we always did things that gave back, whether it was hosted food drives, did donation-based classes, and so many other things that we've done there. We used that platform to do good. And we always believed that if you're a business in a community, your job is not to take people's money. It's to be part of that community and to, to grow and to flourish as a member of that community. So we've always had that priority and we were like, okay, the pandemic gave us this opportunity to step out of the day-to-day operation of Fortis and Yoga Lux, turn that over to some of our employees that we've had since we've opened, which I don't want to brag, but like, kudos, oh, do, oh, do brag. kudos to us. <laughs> like it's, especially in this day and age, it's hard to keep employees for that long, but yeah. we've had some very loyal employees who've deserved to be there as long as they have. And it was time for them to step up and shine and take over more of the day-to-day operations and and grow themselves. So I'm very proud that we were able to do that, first of all, Um, but it allowed us to step back and think about what we wanted to do next. And we did do a lot of napkin scratching and uh, things (laughs) like that. We, many lunches and cocktails. Cocktails, yeah. Yeah, a lot of cocktails (laughs) trying to figure out like, okay, how do we make the biggest impact in our community, in society, in the world, utilizing some of the skills that we've acquired over the years, the experiences we have. And one thing that always came back to us was that people always came to us and asked us for advice on any number of things, typically business related, Mm -hmm. but different parts of business because we had been through so much running a fitness and yoga studio. But even before that, you know, we had to build out the studio. So we did like the architecture and the construction management permitting even before that we were finding the building so we were basically a real estate company (laughs) like trying to find a building learned about how you read demographic studies and data Um, and then even before that just like writing a business plan that i actually ended up presenting that business plan to my family and said i don't want you to invest in this company i'm going to do this on my own but would you 
you know, a sort of like a test run. And so they offered quite a quite good feedback that adjusted our business plan. And obviously nothing ever goes as planned, but you know, we we have this experience, like even in HR, in things that come up. And so people had always asked us for advice. And we're like, you know what, what if we did this for business as like a consulting type type idea? Yeah. And then we're like, but we want to we want it to be for good. And that's where we came up with like, you know, we're only going to work with businesses who's not just who has like a marketing budget, you know, on the side that's like, okay, we're, we're right. a big company, but our marketing budget says we want to do good. So we'll do some like community givebacks, which is great. But like companies whose products or service, like we said, can literally, if successful, make a lot of people a lot of money, but also society wins, the world wins. A difference it's, is made. A like difference this. is made. And, and that's where we found our, our niche. That's awesome. And so this difference that's um, being made is also, it's accountable. I mean, it's obvious. It's tangible, right? And yeah. it's kind of a benchmark we set to decide if we want to work with a client. I was going to ask you what it, that is. We have to have values that align. We have to see something for the future that that is tangible. And it could be a product. It could be a service offering. Um, but it, it has to speak to us. We're not we're not just going to work with anyone. We have limited time. It's just the two of us. We both have families. Um, so that time has to matter. And that was kind of a big, crucial part of our business plan was that the time we spend on this business has to be important and it has to be with a company that we align with. Oh, awesome. And have fun with? Yeah. Oh, fun a part of it? <laughs> Always. You're more productive when you have fun. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I've been, as you know, Adam, I've been getting to know you from a distance here at the chamber and it's just like, I know that fun is right on top. It is. Yeah. But That's you right. have fun while at work, not in place of work yeah. when you're right. when you're working. Right. Yeah. I will also say one thing that we're we're very proud of with our with the Jacob Sheriff group is that we want to take a long-term approach to working with our clients, mm -hmm. uh, which is why we try and work out some arrangement where we earn either equity or options or shares into the company because we want when when the company does well, we want to do well. Yeah. We don't want it to be a situation where, you know, the owner of the company or the CEO is afraid to call us because it's like, oh, that's a bill, you know? Yeah, so you're invested. We're in invested. Yeah. So it's actually, they're We've on your team game. and you're on their team. Exactly. It's team. Right. Yeah. And with the decision-making, like Aaron said, about who we want to work with, it has to be a company. And okay, maybe there's going to be one in the future where it's like, it's just this short-term project and that's fine. But we want to work with a company that in years from now, we can still enjoy working with like we've done our homework, we've done our due diligence to pick that company mm -hmm. um, to work with. So that's part of it too, is that long-term approach, not just try and earn a few extra bucks yeah. with a company that doesn't align with our values. Uh, we want to be involved with companies for the long-term. Do you have anything to say about that, Aaron? Anything else you want to add? Just that the personality matters to who we're working with. So, yeah. um, you know, you said the fun part and it's, you know, obviously it's a serious job that we're doing, but we, we need to get along and be able to have some sort of camaraderie with whoever we're working with. Usually it's a CEO or some sort of executive, but we want to enjoy the work we do too. That's awesome. I want to let you know on the website, um, there's four values or principles that you adhere to, and I'm going to read them, revenue optimization and growth, business development and strategy, brand awareness and marketing, and investor relationship management. And I want to say part of the reason when I came to the website a while ago, 
and I went, whoa, was the growth for good. But it was like one thing I'm aware of with a whole lot of people's websites and marketing is that they usually talk about themselves. And they don't often talk about the problem they solve for people. But somehow you've managed to communicate the problem that you solve for people. So I actually came up with some questions based on kind of, well, your homepage, really. So are you ready? <laughs> Bring it. All right. So it's how do you balance the pursuit of growth and profitability with the desire to positively impact society and create social value with your company's services? Well, I can start. I mean, one thing is obviously a company is very focused on revenue, of course, but mm -hmm. Part of the thing that we like to do is make sure that we don't veer off course from what their principle and their mission was, which is important when we're, you know, dating a company, trying to decide if we want to work with them. Finding out what their mission is is kind of the most important thing that we can figure out. And we use that as a tool to guide us through, you know, increasing revenue, but not getting off course, staying mm. true to that vision, staying true to the values that we have and the values that our client has. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the main things that we focus on. I also think for a long time, there's been this misconception that it's one or the other. It's either mm. revenue growth or doing good. Mm -hmm. And actually, and we knew this, but it's just been solidified even further. If you do good, your revenue will actually grow more. Mm -hmm. And it might not feel like it in the short term, but when you get that long term engagement, you get that community buy-in, you get that, uh, you know, brand loyalty because of what you're doing, you actually win and everybody wins. And, and I think that's probably the biggest thing we fight against with companies that don't have the vision that we do is that they think it's one or the other, they're mutually exclusive, when really, if you do them together, you grow even even further. Wow. And we saw that we were just at a conference in DC for one of the companies we work with. And a lot of the technologies there, it was for energy, some crazy, crazy technologies, but a lot of them are good for the environment, good for the world, but that wasn't their focus. It's more efficient. You know, if you just looked at it from a pure business standpoint, you're like, yeah, that makes more sense. It uses less fuel. It produces more power. It, you know, can can hold a charge for longer, et cetera, et cetera. But also it reduces greenhouse gas emissions and, uh, you know, use of fossil fuels like as a byproduct. So that example there is like, okay, that is from a pure business practice good, but it's actually doing good too. Yes, helping people with their health essentially. Yeah, and the health of our earth and what, we, what limited resources we have. I absolutely love that. We just, uh, at Imagine Podcasting, just uh, finishing up a new client They're called the Green Docs. And they're environmentalists, really smart, and OBGYNs. So they actually talk about the linkage between the environment and the infertility and other problems that women have. But I got to tell you, they're really... They're called, well, if you go to Green Docs, greendocspodcast.com, they're on episode two, but they're doing good. Yeah. And Bruce actually left being a full-time doctor to pursue his interest in helping, you know, being on environmental cause and stuff. Question two. Ready? Born ready. Yes. Yeah. We, okay. Bring it on. Born ready. I like that. <laughs> We're doing good so far. 
is uh, how do you prioritize honesty and integrity in your business practices and decision making? And what steps do you take to ensure that your company maintains these values in all aspects of the operations? I think you kind of have to be comfortable being in an uncomfortable situation in terms of um, not being yes people. We we don't want to just agree with a CEO because they're going to, you know, pay us next month. It's part of the reason that we feel we're being brought on and being hired is to help them grow. And sometimes that's telling them things they don't want to hear and making sure that we're staying honest and not not giving advice that we wouldn't 100 percent be behind. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's that's kind of how we stay true is is just being honest. And sometimes they're not going to like it and you know, we have to be okay with that. And that's brave. And that's awesome. I think we need more of that. Thank and you. like Aaron said, it might be uncomfortable in that moment, but once you get to the end result or milestone, it, it all works out. And I, I think that's where that honesty and integrity starts is if you, if we're not honest and hold our integrity when we're dealing and working with our clients, how do we expect that company to do that with others? Yeah. Uh, and, I think that's that's great. Yeah, and in that challenge to them or with them, because it really is a with them, because you're yeah. going to take them through, a, am sure, a, some sort of realization and process where they understand it, it benefits them in so many different ways. That's not real comfortable. Yeah. That takes, takes some guts, actually. But in the long run, it's going to build trust with our clients that, that you know, our vision and our long term is to get them to where they need to be and we're going to be as honest as possible so they trust that we have the best intentions for them. And it is a challenge we've found with a lot of the CEOs we work with who are typically entrepreneurs and founders and started whatever company they're working with is what got them to the point that they're at was their meticulousness, their control, their didn't have to answer to anyone else. They could just hard charge you know, in the direction they saw. And you get to a certain point where your company's grown to a certain size or you have ambitions. And as a CEO, you can't do it all anymore. And letting go of some of those things and trusting, you know, your your consultants or your employees or other people you've brought in is very, very hard for them. And we've dealt with that quite a bit. And it's a fun sort of transition when you step back and see the, the differences we've made and the growth that they've taken on exactly. It's awesome. Actually, it's related to raising a family, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you kind of watch all... them grow right in front of your eyes. Yeah, no, that's exciting. Yeah. All right. So in your experience, what are some effective strategies for developing strong investor relationships and securing funding for companies that prioritize social responsibility and a holistic approach to business? Well, I... I think one of the, it goes back to this honesty and integrity. Uh, a lot of people that come and try and pitch you on their business, they pitch you the sunshine and flowers and pie in the sky. But I think the way to be truly, uh, you know, and have a good relationship with your investors or future investors is to be honest of where your company is at and why you're either raising funds or why you're having certain challenges. Because the more sophisticated investors know everything's not perfect. And so they want to know what your challenges are. They want to know where your goals are, but you need help getting there. 
because maybe that investor, okay, they want to give money, but maybe they also want to give expertise or they know someone or a strategic partner that can help you get there. Uh, they want to be part of the team. And I think that is probably the biggest um, piece of advice I could say when dealing with investors, like just being honest about the challenges you face, not that you have it all figured out and everything's perfect and, yeah. you know, I'm going to quadruple your money next year. Like, let's let's be honest and realistic and transparent and transparent. Exactly. <laughs> so that we can deal with the challenges that are there. And yeah. then you'll get the more and you want the more sophisticated investor. You don't want the the dumb money because that yeah, runs yeah. out pretty quick. Yeah. 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 Um, I think the, the partnership in the investor is important to who they are as well. You know, same as what we said with our clients, mm -hmm. the same with the investors. We want someone who's going to be part of the team and offer other things besides just a check. I mean, sure, the check's great. That's why we're fundraising. But the, there's more to it than that. And I think the other thing, too, is is networking, getting out there and meeting new people, not relying on your same investor pool or people you know that like to invest in certain things. You never know who may be interested in something, especially when we're dealing with this kind of impact investing um, mm -hmm. people, people that speaks to people. And so finding someone who you may not have thought might be interested in this project you know, you're not going to find them sitting at home on your computer. It's getting out there, talking to people, meeting people in the community. And that's one of the things that we definitely have always focused on, even with Fortis. You know, we were a big part of the chamber and, and meeting new people. Yeah. And it's not usually the person you've met. It's the the several layers yes. past. Yeah. The Kevin Bacon effect. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. In, in summary, I, I think with the investor piece, you want an investor that as a company, you're proud to say is an investor in your company yeah. and vice versa. You want that investor to say that they are proud to have invested in your company. Yeah. And, and if you find that marriage, that's, 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 a, that's the key. Yeah. That's you have gold. to date and see who, what other projects have they invested in? Does that align? Does their portfolio align with what we're doing? Because that's part of it. It's part of who they are as an investor. And uh, that's important. And how much control they want to, not to keep harping on this point, but like certain investors want to take, will only invest if they get a majority control of the company or get certain voting rights or whatever. Like how much control of the company are you willing to give up? We find that a lot. Um, you know, some people will not take money from venture capital firms because they have a very strict um, rules to adhere to because they have shareholders. Yeah. And accountability. So, Mm -hmm. They have a different kind of accountability and they want profits quick. They want, you know, they have to turn that money over so they can go invest in the next thing. Uh, and so it's just a different mindset than if you go find a family office or, you know, a solo investor or even like a certain type of venture arm. And it comes back to that uncomfortable situation because a CEO might be like, oh, wow, this person wants to invest all this money. And we have to be like, yes, they do. But they're, they may make you veer off course. You may yeah. not stay true to your principles and your values and the goal you had for this company. So you may want to rethink that. Why don't we find two or three investors to, that could make that same amount of money, but let the company stay on course and, and keep true? Seems to me that might be a really common blind spot. Of course. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I think it also depends. I wouldn't even say blind spot, but like most startups, for example, have a burn rate. And at some point they scary. run out of money and it's <laughs> an uncomfortable position to be in. 
So the more desperate you get, the more willing you may be to compromise on your integrity or your values or your morals. And it's a balance there for sure. But um, that's why, you know, we try and if if we know that there's going to be a fundraising round coming up or we need funds or whatever, like do it early before you need it from a position of strength. So you can do all of this due diligence. You can talk to different investors and make sure you align in your values. I, you know, I, I have to say, I don't, I don't think I um, mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it again. I want to thank you for being here. Oh, our pleasure. I really love it. So can you share an example? I mean, I know it's a fairly young company, but can you share an example of a time when you helped a company or organization optimize revenue and growth while also making a meaningful contribution to society or the environment? I know you're young. Yeah, most of the companies we're working with are startups. They're not even really at the revenue. Okay. They're still in the development stage, which is kind of by choice. You know, we're trying to work with earlier companies. Like we could make a bigger impact. impact, impact yeah, yeah, on a company starting earlier. And so that's kind of really been our focus. Yeah. And I, I, it really depends on where the company is. And certain companies, like, you know, their goal is to make a product and turn that into a revenue stream, and that's their company. Others, and that's what we see a lot of now, and, you know, they they never actually make a revenue stream or profits, but you grow a certain technology and then sell a piece or get investors. Yep. And, you know, like, think about some of the, the big names we know, like, haven't turned a profit yet, but they, you know, get went public and are trading and whatever. So I think a lot of it is the currently what we've done with revenue optimization is working on the strategy to get there and what that looks like and how we want those streams to start what it takes to, you know, start building out that that revenue stream and what revenue model will they use, you know, we're at that kind of forming this now, you know, yeah. it's not quite there yet. So we get to help create, you know, how they will make rev, how they will make profits. Mm -hmm. Do you build out the whole sales team in house and sell it yourself, for example, or do you partner with a company that already has the infrastructure in place? So maybe you don't get to keep as much of the margin, but you don't have to build out this whole team yep. and yep. learn Less the learning risk. curve, yeah. you know, like, Yep. Those types of decisions and analysis is what we've mostly been focusing on as an example for, for many of the companies. We That's work really with. great. And I'm learning a lot here just sitting here listening. I want to appreciate you again. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so how do you think companies and organizations can effectively communicate their commitment to social responsibility and creating value for society through their branding and marketing efforts? You know, we said before transparency. I think that's a big part of it. Um, mm -hmm. Being transparent in the objectives of the company, what they want to do, what kind of change makers do they want to be. Um, you know, just getting it out there. And and I think admitting to your mistakes. Like companies yeah. try and cover up things that they've done instead of being like, "Hey, ten years ago we thought this was the right move, and it actually ended up being, you know, detrimental." People uh, respect that. Yeah. I, if you're if you're a consumer, you're going to be like, okay, you admitted it instead of like tried to like weasel around it. Yeah, like, PR their way out of yeah, it. Yeah. Like, PR their way out of look, it, yeah. The, I think with the proliferation of the internet and people's access to information, the consumers are smarter yeah. now. 
Yeah. And they see right through all that. So yeah. just be upfront about the mistakes you've made. Like, you know, go above and beyond. It might cost you a little bit more if you have to, like, fix something now, but it won't kill you. I, I always think about the, like, the story of, like, the Tylenol way back in the day where they found mm. that, like, a few of the their jars were punctured. Yes. And they recalled every Tylenol yep. bottle in the whole country, yep. even though they didn't need to. And people respected that. It probably cost them a fortune, but, you know, you respect that if there was any risk at all, we're pulling it all off the shelves. Now you hear about, like, companies that are like, oh, there's an issue. We'll, we'll recall, like, you know, one or two things. Yeah. And then you, like, more and more keep coming out. It's like... Yeah, snowballs. You could have just you could have just dealt with it all up just front do the and right saved thing. yourself. But. Admit that you made a mistake or that there was an issue. Do the right thing, and it'll it'll come back. Uh, it could be the it could be uh, the meaning of if you're still in business or not. I would think for right. the reasons you you gave, which is yeah. people are just a whole lot smarter. I think so, and and I I think you have to respect the consumer more now yeah. than than in the past. Yeah. All right, so let me ask you, what else do would you like to cover? I mean, the title of this is Changing the World Through Business. You want to talk about the world, business, or through? The world's a scary place. I don't know. If yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> That's another episode for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think just, you know, kind of, Adam kind of touched on this earlier, but revenue and, and doing good doesn't, you know, can go hand in hand and keeping that in mind in business and trying to, you know, you, you can't always make the right decision, but if you're kind of using your moral compass as, you know, your guiding light, then, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, it gets easier to do the right thing and stay on course and, and still have a profitable business. Yeah. Uh, to that point, I, what we noticed is a lot of people we've spoken with, they're like, okay, business does business and makes profits, and that's what they do. Nonprofit com- uh, organizations do good, and there's nothing in the middle. And that's yeah. not true. And, and yes, nonprofits do great, and they're amazing. Totally. But I think kind of destigmatizing this like profit is evil, and you know, if you do the right thing with that profit, if you're conscious with your spending and and the company in general, it, it doesn't have to be evil for a company to be successful. Yeah, I, I like the term not for profit. Yeah. I agree, I, <laughs> I actually really like the term for purpose better yeah. than both of those. Yeah. Because it's a positive yes. uh, affirmation, not a not or a negative. It makes profit sound negative. Right, right. The other thing that's um, always resonated with me is remembering that when you're a business, it's not just about your shareholders, but it's about the stakeholders in your business. Mm. So if you're a company that manufactures a product, where do some of those inputs that you're creating come from? What are those communities experiencing because of your product or service? Uh, the people who are affected by the packaging, you know, there's just the, looking at the whole life cycle and the actual stakeholders of your company, not just the shareholders, uh, I think is something that we've lost um, along the way. And many companies are starting to, to look back at that whole product life cycle, if you will, but um, long way to go in that realm. That's great. As we wind up here, I wanna ask you each, what has your attention these days? 
It doesn't have to be business. It can be family. It can be whatever. But I mean, <laughs> family always has my attention. It's kind of you sure. know organized chaos in our house with three kids and and you know expecting our fourth. So that's kind of between that and and working and yeah. That's great. You sound present. <laughs> Trying to be. It's, you know, one of those tough things right now, I think, in life is to make sure to stay present, but definitely yeah. trying to focus on doing that. Yeah, my 14-month-old uh, is about to walk <laughs> at any Here we minute. Go. Yeah, so, game changer. Uh, that's got my attention to, first of all, not miss it, and second of all, uh, you know, stay on my toes to chase her around, uh, in addition to some of the other political yeah. issues going on in the world, yeah. especially I, I grew up with females in my life, but when you have a daughter and, and Aaron has two about to have a third, um, you really understand how certain decisions that are made can affect other people. Um, and how I'm very fortunate to be who I am born the way I was, you know, the, and other people don't have that. And um, just realizing the the good fortune and the privilege that I have and others may not, even if other people don't realize it, is uh, that has my attention at yeah. the moment. Well, we are grateful you both exist. Oh, Appreciate that. How do you how do you want to be uh, known in terms of getting in contact with you? What's the best way? And no phone or no email addresses, but what, the website? Or? The yep. website, LinkedIn. Um, okay. We, yeah. Either what are we going to look for in LinkedIn? You could look for the the Jacob Sheriff group if you want our company page. Um, we're obviously both listed on there personally, or you could go to our individual pages. So Aaron Sheriff and Adam Jacobs. <laughs> and the website is thejs-group.com. Mm -hmm. And on there is a contact us page. And in fact, mm -hmm. on that page, we have you have to fill out a form that says how you help the world or want to help the world with your business um, because we're serious about only working with companies or organizations that do that. Yeah, that's your gate to get in. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Um, this has just been a favorite of mine. Oh, thank Aww, you. It's, it's thank a lot you. of fun so as we talked great. about. Yes, it is fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, until next time, we'll see you. Anybody that wants to stay in the loop here with what has my attention, you can follow us or subscribe anywhere you get your audio.